Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Again, like I had some suggestions for potential replacement Leafs songs, and if you want to like appeal to the, I think the uh, the type of person, the the, the the meaty middle of, of Maple Leafs fans, mm. maybe you can lean into some classic rock here with Misty Mountaintop, yep. Led Zeppelin. Again, like I, I don't know if it's maybe too recognizable is the problem. No, I don't think th- I don't think that's it. I just uh, what was the first one you you had us uh, kicked off with today? That was a long time ago. Oh, it was LCD Sound System. That's my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, so far. I I think honestly that's why I played it first. Oh, look at you. Yeah, no, I, I, that would be my pick. Hmm. Yeah, Indeed I don't. I, with your best idea. Yeah, <laughs> I don't truly believe in in any of the the subsequent ideas that okay. we've heard. Okay. Since. Uh, here's what I believe in: Rogers Center being a pitcher's park this season okay makes okay. no sense i didn't anticipate Mm-mm. it being this way i was told that would not happen i i read an article from mike petrello at the beginning of the season Smart that said guy. it'd be nothing but home runs a zillion runs a game be a joke <laughs> it, would, it would make yankee stadium look like petco park the way the corners would would play uh, at Rogers Center. Shai Davidi with a great story on sportsnet.ca right now, getting into the nitty-gritty of what is it, what has actually happened at Rogers Center this season. And there's some guys that have had some weird home road mm-hmm. splits. And not everybody is like this, right? Like Bobochet's having like a normal home yep. road season. I think George Springer splits are are pretty normal. But Vlad and Dalton Varsho specifically are having like if if they were having the home seasons they're having on the road right. we wouldn't have Would talked talk about, about this. <laughs> their offenses being suppressed their home splits are horrible and in an overall sense the offensive in- environment at Rogers Center has been horrible so here's where they rank in the major leagues of baseball and home runs there's 168 total so that's the blue jays and the opponents that's tied for 24th the slugging percentage, under 400, 392, that's 25th in Major League Baseball. Runs scored, 29th. Now, part of that is because the Blue Jays pitched the ball. Say, yeah. yeah, okay. They pitched the ball. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. But also, they're supposed to be a, a better-than-average offense, which on the road, they have been. And and explain the numbers on the road. If that were the case, then yeah, on the road there'd be no runs scored in these baseball games, but there are runs scored. And I mean, you go back to last season. So this is where you can make a straight line comparison. So last season, mm-hmm. old dimensions. This season, new dimensions. Now again, different roster makeup yes. of the Blue Jays, but home runs fourth in Major League Baseball at at Rogers Center. Slugging percentage fourth in Major League Baseball. Runs scored tenth. In Major League Baseball. What gets weirder, though, Brent, mm-hmm. is, again, Shai Davidi going through the numbers and and fly balls that would have been home runs that or that are home runs that wouldn't have been home yep. runs. Roger Center has actually produced 24 more home runs this season than it would have with the previous dimension. That's just where the ball right, went right, right. because it is factually shorter yep. at certain parts and, like, 20 feet shorter in, in right center field. But here's where... I start to get my tinfoil hat yes, going here. Which I love when you put it on. Because I've, I've spent large portions of this season trying to figure this out. Because it makes no sense. And it still doesn't make sense unless something is happening to the baseball. Which I believe something is happening okay. to the baseball. So, Major League Baseball and StatCast, they yeah. have numbers for everything. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a nerd's paradise. You love it. I, I'm, like, I didn't grow up a nerd, but I am a baseball nerd. I, just, I love digging into this stuff. They actually... So that there's there's park factors, which is like, hey, how many home runs and mm-hmm. and and like traditional stats, like I just 
uh, spouted off about, but they also track the distance of fly balls hit at the same speed at the same angle mm. and how far they go on average in different ballparks. So there's an average, right? Yep. Like, you know, if you hit a ball 90 miles an hour right. at a certain angle, yep. it goes this far Yep. on average. That's, yep. Okay, so last season, Roger Center, just about average. Okay. So 90 mile an hour exit velocity, whatever the, the, the launch angle the is, yeah. Launch angle, they, the fly ball went minus 0.1 feet. Okay. Uh, according, like, indifferent to the average. Sure. So slightly less than average, but like, yeah, essentially average. This season, it's almost four feet shorter than average. Okay, that has nothing to do with fences. No. That has nothing to do with dimensions. No. That has everything to do with the baseball. The Blue Jays do not play on the moon. No, they don't. They play in a controlled environment with a roof. Mm -hmm. Okay? So here's my galaxy brain. Yes. I might be getting a little bit uh, heated uh, about baseballs. But here's what I think. Your head's getting bigger as you go on this rant. The Blue Jays installed a humidor at Rogers (laughs) Air. (laughs) <laughs> in 2021, okay? Okay. And we only got to see it sparingly because you may recall we went through a global pandemic for no a couple of years there. And it was yeah. a while until the Blue Jays returned to Roger Center. Yes. Didn't really get going okay. until last season. That was okay. a great offensive team. Yeah, that was and, awesome. And uh, no, it didn't really impact the offensive environment. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of unknown about how this ballpark was going to play. And again, mm-hmm. there were some smart people saying it was going to play like stupidly offensively. Yep. Favorable. Blue Jays mm-hmm. went out and acquired a guy in Chris Bassett who gave them some fly balls that mm-hmm. were not home runs in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in Queens yes. at City Field. I think the Blue Jays and Mark <sighs> Shapiro were so worried about how this this stadium was going to play. because They didn't know. And they thought the possibility very much existed that it was going to be a joke and the Blue Jays' season would be ruined and they look like morons for going out and getting a guy like Chris Bassett who pitches to contact, that they crank that humidor up to 11. Not 10. It goes one, goes one to, more. Yeah, it's better. To 11. There's only one explanation, and you know how I know? It's because the players know. And and one of the, the players quoted in this Shai Davidi story mm-hmm. was Kevin Gossman. He's like, yeah, maybe it's the baseballs. I kind of threw it in there. Yeah. Yeah. The, Major League Baseball toys with the baseballs. And, and there was a great story about how Aaron Judge was using basically like a flubber ball last year. Amazing. To, to hit his 62 home runs. I think individual teams with their little humidors, something hanky is going on. And it's not unfair because both teams play with the same balls. But I would not at all be shocked to see, you know, though, mm-hmm. and there's a lot have been written about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and especially the fly balls to center mm. field, for some reason not going as far right. as last year. I do. I have seen this, yes. It's 100% the baseballs at Rogers Center. So to add just a little more credence to your tinfoil hat here, if you read Chai's piece, which y'all should do on sportsnet.ca and sportsnet, wherever you find your wonderful sportsnet articles that Chai wrote, you hear or you see the quotes from the players, and they're talking about fly balls the way people talk about UFOs, like, eh, sometimes it does this, sometimes it does that. Right. And you think you have a read on a ball and you don't. And, you know, if a player says that after one game, I think they're probably trying to make a bit of an excuse for a bad route they took on a ball or something along those lines. But when it is just in a guise of a conversation about the park and the way it plays, I believe Biggio and Springer were the two guys quoted in there talking about the ball kind of moving in different ways or having trouble kind of tracking it or gauging how it'll go off the bat and that just lends kind of further credence to your, uh, your your conspiracy theory here. I love it. Yeah. 
And it would okay. So it, it may have benefited the Blue Jays pitching staff again, mm-hmm. who has They're the lowest ERA good. in the major leagues of baseball, and it's the reason why you can dream on this team because the rotation's been great, and the bullpen's been great, and they're swing and miss, and they play great defense, and yada 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 yada. But it's also the reason we're having serious long-term conversations about a couple of these Major League Baseball players yeah. who are part of the, this team going forward, most specifically Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Dalton Varsho. It'll be – I can't wait to see the way this thing plays next season. Now, there's another layer of, of I guess, renovations that are taking yep. place in the 100 level. Um so I, I I don't know. Maybe that's going to impact the the way the ballpark plays because it's not just fences, right? Like there's actual airflow, the, yeah, all these the, things. Yeah. <laughs> sure, or even like hitters backdrop and and, totally. and and what they're they're looking at. But I will be curious to see if there is a an adjustment that is made. If there is something controllable here, because. I think there is, and I think if the Blue Jays are in control, they'll maybe ease up on on the brakes a little bit when it comes to the 2024 season. On it, I, I here's what I I would do. People would like to throw a couple ducats down, and I yeah. know this is looking long term into yeah, the future. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some of the the Blue Jays over under totals are going to be suppressed because of the home environment. This, this I oh. would I would wager dollars to donuts that in 2024 you're going to see a massive improvement. In, in offense at Rogers Center, and maybe a big downturn in pitcher performance because this is this has been something they didn't anticipate and they went too far, turning it to 11. Maybe turn it back down to seven. Yeah, that uh, doesn't need to go all the way to the top. I love that theory. Uh, and uh, yeah, a little free future wake and rake for everybody out there to go and get their Jays future unders for next, or take the over uh, for, for next season on, on homers and the like. I love that you dug into to all that. And obviously, again, like Shy, Shy wrote the piece. He did a really good job of it. I, I'd i love to sit here and say, ah, you're crazy. Come on. What are you talking about? You lay it out too well. It makes I too know. much sense. Well, and, and I, listen, I, I wish I was a meteorologist or was friends with a meteorologist because they, well, there is a table. Just, well, hold on. I know. Right. I know. We can go. There's okay. one there. So, I guarantee okay. you there's Here, one right there. Here's what I'm unsure of is because – Major League Baseball actually has average temperature at each ballpark, Amazing. so it's it's slightly different, but not enough, I I don't think, to to be the the result or, or to have this offensive environment be the result. It's down like a, about an a degree, it's not average nothing. degree, and the uh, and the Earth's getting warmer. So yeah, figure that one out. But also relative humidity. I need to know historic relative humidity for the city of Toronto <laughs> going back 20 years. If somebody could get that to me, I would be greatly appreciative of that. Anyways, yeah, Major League Baseball, StatCast has everything you could possibly want uh, and more. <laughs> Truly is a dork's paradise. It really is. It, yeah. All right. Uh, so Blue Jays started a three-game series against the Yankees tonight looking to punch their ticket into the postseason. Yankees were forced to play yesterday in a meaningless game for them against the, the Diamondbacks. All meaningless for them. Who are, are trying to punch their way into the National League wildcard picture. Oh, they played, they, they played the greatest player of all time, Gabriel Moreno? Yeah, yeah, who's now hitting second for them. Oh. And, yeah, he's been one of the best <laughs> defenders behind the plate in Major League Baseball. I've taken enough. I, oh, this show is uh, is a day and, and an hour and 12 minutes old. I've already taken enough victory laps, but uh, Brown was right about that one, too. Yeah. Uh, and although, again, how much of Dalton Varsho's downturn in offense has been the result of uh, messing the with switch. baseball? The sw- <laughs> the switch? Yeah. Um, so the Yankees-Blue Jays start a three-game series tonight. It's Kevin Gossman um, against Michael King, who, again, last time Blue Jays saw was, uh, he was Nolan Ryan incarnate. <laughs> 
The Blue Jays, if all things play out the way they want it to, I think could clinch their postseason spot before the Rays series even starts. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they sweep the Yankees, I know that for a fact. They get to 90 wins, they're into the postseason. At that point, you can set your rotation. Kevin Gossman is obviously obviously starting game number one. What happens beyond him? And I know we've gone back and forth, and boy, that was a hot topic of conversation when you say Kikuchi was having his spectacular second half of the season before he started tipping pitches and and throwing a ton of breaking balls that this guy was was so good and his strikeout stuff was so amazing that he was obviously starting game two. I think we're off of that, but where Uh, are you with with games two and three? Yeah, it's it's Barrios and it's Bassett for me. Right, right now, that's that's the way I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with this team. I think Kikuchi, he has he still has enough body of work that I think if you want to make the argument for him over Bassett, I can hear it. But when you add in the element of being able to use Kikuchi out of the pen potentially and having just the lefty with heat and all of that, and not the maze isn't capable, but it just gives you another option there. You're not bringing Chris Bassett out of the pen. So it's just kind of, that's the easy delineation for me. Now I would probably, I don't know how you feel about this. I sometimes get like a little cute with the order. Mm. Like if they win game one, maybe I go Bassett game two, Barrios game three, because I feel better about Barrios in a absolute must win than I do Bassett. But I don't know. What are you, where are you Honestly, I, I think it's six of one, half dozen the other. And the only guy that you feel really, despite the fact that, again, Blue Jays have the best ERA mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball, and those guys have put forth pretty solid, if not spectacular, seasons uh, behind Kevin Gossman. The only guy that you f- feel absolutely great yeah. about and you give him the benefit of the doubt, like you should have in game two last year against the Mariners, is Kevin Gossman, mm-hmm. right? He's the guy That's that the guy. you give the leash to, that you say, go out and throw a hundred pitches, mm-hmm. get us as deep into this ball game as you possibly can. Everybody else, especially considering the strength of this bullpen and the fact that Jordan Hicks has not been a stranger to multiple innings nope. this season. Hasn't really happened too much with the Blue Jays, but with the Cardinals, it was it was not an uncommon thing to see Jordan Hicks, even for as many as six outs. We've seen Jordan Romano Romano's done it, yeah. get multiple outs. Um, there's other guys that you feel really comfortable coming out of that bullpen, I think the leash is super short on either one of those guys, whether, and I, I think I w- I'm with you that I would, I would go Barrios and, and Bassett in game three. Um, I think like if, if we were talking about the, the Yusei Kikuchi from even a couple of weeks ago, that's the, that, but he's not here. No, just because of the strikeout stuff. Can and- he do anything? Is there like in the in the hopefully one outing we see from you say Kikuchi in the regular season left? What would you like if he is absolutely nails? Does that tip you one way or another, or has the body of work kind of gone too far in the other direction? Yeah, for I you? think it's gone too far. That's where I'm at as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's gone too far, and and you're I mean you're matching up against some pretty prolific right-handed hitters as well, mm-hmm. uh, and especially because. Okay, so it's weird. You're going to face the Rays in a seemingly meaningless series. You, you you hope it's meaningless not only because you can line up your starting staff, but also because you don't want those guys no. to get another look exactly. at, at some of your pitchers that they're going to see in that series. And it will be punt city. Even if there's, like, position, like, there's a potential for the Blue Jays to finish in the second wild card and the, the third wild card, and that's still up for grabs. Yep. I think if you're the Blue Jays, you still you hold everything back. Yeah, totally. And, I, and, I agree. And while I made the case for the Blue Jays wanting the Rays in this wild card series, I don't think it's worth 
well, one, burning your relievers, definitely not. Putting, putting extra innings on them, and two, giving the Rays a potential extra look at, yeah, uh, a, a Jordan Hicks or, I mean, those two lefties are lined up to start in that series and Kikuchi in Ryu. So I, I guess you're probably fine in starting those because I, I don't think Ryu's even no. on, the, on the postseason roster. Definitely he, not. He wasn't as a Dodger, even when he led the National League in ERA before he signed with the, the Blue Jays in, in 20, uh, 2020. So in 2019, he wasn't on the Dodgers postseason roster. But yeah, I think you you hold everything back, even if it means the potential for for finishing in the second wild card as opposed to the third. The other, the other thing I'll add is that as much as, and again, it's been a borderline miracle that the team has not missed him, really, in the grand scheme of things, Alec Manoa. Mm-hmm. This is where you miss the guy that he was. You know, Jose Barrios, you feel good about as your two. You feel good. Mm-hmm. But if you had last year's Alec Manoa and then Barrios is your third and Bassett your fourth, and like these playoff rotations and the fact that maybe it's the fact that Kikuchi has kind of cooled off and I there I feel like there's a ceiling on how excited I can get about Chris Bassett pitching in the playoffs. And that's yeah. completely unfair, but it's just... No, it's the, very fair. Okay, because it's just the sty- stylistically, the way he does well, it. And, and look at some of the big yeah, starts right. he had the, right. at the end of last season with the Mets yeah. uh, in games that they needed to win. Chris Bassett, I mean, this is probably unfair, but like Chris Bassett is a great regular season pitcher and you need those because there's 162 freaking games. It's so long. (laughs) It's why I know now I'm really going to upset people. People remember the R.A. Dickey tenure oh, yeah. as being horrific. And mm-hmm. by and large, it was very disappointing considering the, the he was... balls are capricious. <laughs> considering he won a National League Cy Young Award before arriving in Toronto. But you know what was valuable? Like the league average ERA yeah. 200 innings that Taking he provided. the ball every fifth day, yeah. But clearly when it came to postseason yeah. time, that wasn't as valuable as during the regular season. So Chris Bassett, great ad. I, I agreed with the, the signing 100%, but leash super short mm-hmm. on him in the postseason. No, you don't feel comfortable yeah. at all. That's why, and strikeouts are, are very, very important. <laughs> it's why, you know, all the, the, the fan graphs of the world, all the... Wherever you you get your war statistic from, it's why they value strikeouts so much. Is because there's no guesswork with it. It's not, hey, ball in play is yeah. the defender going to make the 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 play or not? It's you swing and miss, you're out. Yeah. You go back. There, there's go no to your home. <laughs> so uh, that's why you feel good about Kevin Gosman. It's why you feel a little bit better about Jose Barrios. It's why you feel less good about Chris Bassett. Yep, uh, I'm I'm right there with you. And again, this is. This is the time where you'll feel the Manoa absence if it if it comes up. But again, it's just it is such a miracle that they've had the year they had, and he just again it wasn't that he was their fifth starter and he's bad. He disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, it's 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 wild, wacky stuff. But again, there are the Rays losing an American League Cy Young candidate and Shane McClanahan yep. and, and losing an MVP yeah, candidate. The, the Rays, Wander Franco. We do this every year. I yeah. don't know, you guys think it's so <laughs> special? Oh, oh, your star player stinks, and you yeah. lost a guy who was a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, it's just every year for us guys. All right, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Brent, what do we got? So this is a bit of a this is a bit of a like older story. It's from a week or two ago, but I didn't get a chance to tee off on it. So here we are. Multiple pro leagues in Europe, hockey leagues such as the SHL, the Swedish Hockey League, will have their referees go for post game interviews to explain their side of controversial calls. You know, it'll be uh, somebody in the somebody in the studio. So to be, you know, I don't know who they'd have asking the question, but it's David Amber, Born, or or Friedman. If you're doing the Leaf game last night for controversial call, and at first blush, I said to myself, Ah, oh, finally, I'm gonna have to pay. 
somebody's going to have to go back retroactively and explain that Justin Hall pick penalty to me. I'm going to need that one. That's the one that still burns me, okay? But then I realized it's not going to make me any happier because what's going to happen is they're going to get asked a very run-of-the-mill, to-the-point question. They're going to say, that's how I saw it, Mm. and then that's going to be that. And guess what? Guess what? That's just going to make me even angrier than I was before I heard that that response. So at first blush, I wanted it. I realized I don't, unless it's me doing the interview. Like, unless it is a member yeah. of the fan base that has been scorned <laughs> conducting right. the interview, this isn't going to do anything for anyone. You know, we do have this in North America, and it's happened sparingly. The but, pool reporter. But even beyond that, so in, in the postseason in Major League Baseball, like, if there's a, a call that is so controversial mm-hmm. and so confusing and so pivotal, mm-hmm. sometimes you will have umpires come to a podium <laughs> And, and take questions. It's it's happened before. Like of course, Angel Hernandez is popping up in my Jim brain. Jim Joyce but, is the one I remember, but yeah, that well, was totally yeah, different. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Poor Jim Joyce. God, has uh, anyone ever made a mistake uh, worse in their oh life? Oh my God. Um, yeah, Armando Galarraga. But yeah, um, <laughs> no, it it, ha- it has happened before. But you know what? You're absolutely right. Like the the questioning is, hey, this is what, what was the call there? Did you and in baseball it's a little more black and white. Maybe right. there's like an, a missed interpretation yes. of of a rule. It's maybe you get your pound of flesh so you feel better as a mm-hmm. fan. It's it's kind of like I, I was making the argument that after the the Blue Jays were swept by the Rangers, despite right. the fact that it's not helping anything, it would be nice for the fans to see John Schneider say, "This sucks. Yes, I hate this, and this team isn't performing the way I wanted it to. I, I, it's you know I I." I I'm not going to call anybody out or throw anybody under the bus, but I'm going to slam things because I know that's what you're doing at home and I want to be your vessel for frustration. So in that that respect, maybe there's some utility to it, but you're 100% right to to say that it's it's not going to be something that's actually going to produce change. You know, actually, I I say that maybe it will produce change that you can have a direct, you know, maybe it's more difficult to make the same call repeatedly mm. if you're getting questioned daily. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously my mind goes to Leafs on this like it does with most things, and I think that's where you just never get an answer you like because so many, I mean, we do this every year in the NHL, so many of the calls are so subjective, and it's, okay, well, yeah, I just picked him because I picked him. He was looking at me in a weird way, and I didn't like it, so, <laughs> yeah, screw you, Michael Bunting is yeah. what I, a lot of those would have would have ended with last year and we you know not the interview but we also have something very much like this in the nba of the two-minute report and right i don't know about you have you ever seen hey no. raptors got screwed on the two-minute report the next day and felt right. any better no because no. i never do either so this at first blush felt like something oh yes i want it but i only want it if me in my most rabid state right. is grilling him like it's my frost nixon moment I don't want, uh, you know, capital J journalists like Luke Fox. We're going to talk to in a couple minutes Mm. asking a pointed question. That's not going to make me feel any better about anything. And because so much of these are subjective calls, it's, yeah, I made that call. You like it. You don't live with it. The league will have a problem with it. Right. In that respect, it's super different than baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can call, you know, hold and call on on almost every play in hockey. Even football, right? Like there's so many kind of, I won't say niche, but little rules that come up of, you know, the the guys out of position or whatever. And sometimes there you do see refs just kind of misinterpreting things or not misinterpreting things, but miss explaining them when they're Mm. on the broadcast. So it'd be nice to get clarity there, but grand scheme of things, if, uh, if the ump, ref, whatever it is, any sport makes a call and it's not the right one, them telling you that they screwed up afterwards, never going to make anybody feel better. True, because that does happen too. Like even that, yeah, is that going to make you feel any better? Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought I no, saw I, something. Here's, here's what I think. 
is the only instance in this that would make me feel better is yes, we have in fact had it out for the the Leafs and the league will never do anything <laughs> about it because what are you going to do? That's, that's the only thing yeah. that would make me feel better, but I don't think I'm going to get that. Or like Angel Hernandez came to the microphone and was like, you know what? I, I stink and I'm blind. I'm, I'm going to actually choose a different profession. That, like I, oh, I'm, I'm stepping down. Honestly, could you imagine the complete 180 in his Q rating oh, of just, I suck, 100%. I'm going to retire. It's not too Kobe late. And, Kobe and analysts rip into other umps. Oh. It's right there. Get me. <laughs> I am his agent now. Yeah. I was going to say, get him to me. Fire that guy. He has not been giving you any good advice. I'm now your agent, Angel. That's the move. That's a great, great call. All right. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Luke Fox, the aforementioned Sportsnet Leafs reporter, see if he would uh, enjoy after some uh, Maple Leafs regular season, postseason games, talking to referees. We'll also talk about Easton Cowan. Uh, and, uh, hey, what happens if Joseph Wall's no good? That's coming up next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning. You know what I just realized I did? Hmm. So, like... These are a bunch of songs that I yeah. submitted to. You just played your favorite songs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, Maple Leafs may have a new goal song, may not. It was Hall & Oates yesterday. But yeah, the first one, I think, I, I still stand by LCD Sound System. Daft Punk is playing at my house as being like a really good goal song. This is just an awesome yeah, Pearl Jam just, song. You just like Pearl Jam. This is Do the Evolution for I don't, podcast people. Yeah, I don't disagree. I'm not going to sit here and quibble with your choice. I'm just saying I I too could have been like, hey, kids, look at my Spotify. Isn't it sick? I Yeah, I may have made a mistake. All right, let's, <laughs> let's talk to Luke Fox, Sportsnet's. Uh, Some music guy might have a thought. I, I think so. I think I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, Luke, if you had your druthers, we're talking about hip-hop, like some old-school rap for the Maple Leaf School song. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I I think Annie Up by MOP would be pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. No, but I'm I'm a really big fan of the the personalized goal songs. Mm. Like I've been, but the Buffalo Sabers were doing it for a while. Vancouver Canucks tried it, and when you're in the building, it's it's pretty fun when there's different songs that come on uh, for certain guys. And in Tampa, they they do the the Hammer Time thing for for Stamkos. Uh, yeah. I'm a big personalized goal song fan. Hmm. But, the, yeah, it's time for a change. I, I'm not the biggest Hall & Oates hater, but I think it's run its course. I think it's run its course. Yeah, I'm. I, even I, I think I'm the last guy who still likes the goal song. Like, I, my druthers, I'd just keep it. But even I understand, like, you had the, you know, we, this is too serious of a thing to tie to too dumb a topic. But you had your <laughs> let go of Kyle Dubas. It's time for a clean break, okay? Like, anything that you thought was a bad idea that was happening here before, this was your chance, even if it's not true, to just be like, oh, of course, the young guy wanted this weird, nerdy song, all in oats. Like, it's just so easy. Just put it all on him. Whatever changes you want to see in this organization, this is the time for, for them to do it. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm there with you, although I will say I, I am not with personalized goal songs i like it in theory all those things sound great but the whole point of it to me is that especially and i know that this least team hasn't been this for a couple years but you know you have all this offensive firepower maybe you go put five or six up on a team and it's just blaring over and over and it's the same song over and over so that's why i personally don't like the uh the individualized ones but that's uh that's just me i guess luke 
it should be preseason for goal songs. They should be trying a few out. Oh, don't disagree. Don't disagree at all there. Just, you know what would be hilarious? Crowd, crowd, te- crowd test them. You know what would be hilarious if they did the personalized goal songs and like Austin Matthews was like, I like Hall and Oates. <laughs> he scored 70 goals. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be amusing. Uh, all right. Um, let's talk about the, the, the hockey being played on the ice in preseason form yesterday at Scotiabank Arena. And Easton Cowan having a couple of points. And Cowboy. Uh, and miss on a penalty shot. He's 18 years old. He's going back to junior. We all understand that, Luke. But that was that was kind of an eye-opening performance. Yeah, it was fun. Like, I mean, these are the kind of little little stories that you look for in these preseason games. And I was I was really impressed. And then after the game, Sheldon Keith was saying he was looking for a reason not to put the kid out there. But he got tired of trying to find a reason not to put him out there and threw him out there. So he's on in the last minute of the game when they need an extra skater. Uh, when they pull Martin Jones, and then he draws a, a tripping penalty um, that gives them a, a six-on-four chance, and he's back out there for six-on-four with the big guys, and they tie the game in the last five seconds. Um, then he even got a three-on-three shift. Like uh, the the kid stood out; he had speed, and and what I loved is he didn't look afraid to try and make plays. Um, you know, I I just ima- imagine like a bunch of eighteen-year-olds in their first. NHL preseason game, they get the puck. They probably just want to make the safe play, dump it in. But he was trying to go through guys, and uh, I, I was really impressed. And then after the game, I asked him, you know, he, I know it's only preseason, but you scored your, your first goal in an NHL uniform. Do you want to keep the puck? And he said, no, we didn't win the game. I was like, Love okay, it. This, hardo. This what guy, a hardo. This guy, this guy is serious. All right. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, I, I was at the draft, and a lot of people were like, uh, did they make a reach here? Did they pick this kid too early? But from what he's shown in, in Traverse City and so far in camp, it, it, look, it looks like they could have one in a few years here. Now, before he offered that quote to you, did did he look around for Sheldon Keefe while clearing his throat? Like, <laughs> <clears throat> winning is all that mattered. God, I love that. That is that is shades of Matthews talking about how he let the team down after scoring four goals in right. his in his uh, NHL debut because he didn't pick up. I think Kyle Turris on the back check. Of course, I would remember that. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the thing with with Easton Cowan and you know, like again, he's 18 years old. A lot of people thought he was a reach. Let's not get carried away here, but. If you look at the guys the Leafs have taken in that kind of range, it's Rasmus Sandin, it's Timothy Lilligren, and, you know, Lilligren's been the best of the bunch there, but even he hasn't really come forward yet and taken a job. And I don't mean that, or not taken a job, but really taken a a full-fledged role on this team. He's going to have to have one this year. And I don't mean that as a criticism of Lilligren, but just this is where the Leafs need to find guys like Cowan. And look, you know, if you can get them as six-round picks in Pontus Holmberg, that's great too. But you, you know, sometimes we think of first-round picks as, okay, this guy has to come in and be Matthew Nyes. They don't need him to be that whenever he comes up. They just need him to be a kind of consistent middle-six contributor that missing Nick Robertson piece and they just have lacked that injection of talent into the organization so much over the last I don't know basically since all the big boys got here yeah and that's that's just a function partly of going for it right like they're always trading away their first round pick so they and even that one they were considering trying to trade down in in Nashville and try to turn him into an extra pick but they didn't want to lose this kit uh, so I think that's just a function of the competitive window and, and trying to, you know, you don't have that many first or second rounders. And I think that's why there was so much pressure on Nick Robertson um, because they finally had a, a dynamic forward, albeit a second rounder, but, 
And, you know, so much of the, the focus of attention was on Robertson for so many of these uh, training camps and developmental camps because they just didn't have that many of them. There weren't a lot of guys in the pipeline. So, you know, we, ha- we have to pump the brakes here, not put too much pressure on the kid. And, and they have to be smart, too. Like, like you said, for sure he's going back down to junior. Um, but, you know, he's probably at least two years away. Like, let, let him steep. Let him make sure he's ready and not have some false starts. Uh, but I like, I like the guy's attitude. I mean, he seems pretty comfortable and pretty carefree for the first time in an NHL dressing room. Yeah, 18 years old is, is very young. He looks younger than that. He looks yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very young. Um, Nick Robertson, I mean, we you, you've mentioned him a couple of times in your last couple of answers. And, and you know, he popped a couple of times, uh, had six shots on goal yesterday, tied for the lead among forwards. I mean, th- those are the guys that we're going to be looking at in the preseason, obviously not the established NHL veterans. But it, how do you gauge his his chances of, of making this opening day roster and and what has he shown in in his limited sample here in preseason well he stands out to me because he's always going he's trying so hard you can tell like this this guy wants it so bad and he did create some scoring chances for himself didn't have the finish um you know i thought it was a good look that that sheldon keep put him on the top power play unit with the big guys um you know considering it was a, a bit of a split squad so he was given opportunity for sure um, and you know, the other thing is this is his first time back since being injured with the shoulder surgery, hasn't really played since December. So when you consider how long his rehab has been, I think he looks, looks pretty good. Um, his chances of making the team, I still have him as a long shot guys. And, and there's a couple reasons for that. One, you, you try to read the tea leaves and most of camp he's been playing on a Marley's line. So that doesn't look so good. The other thing is, if he's going to fit, you got to think he's got to fit in a skill role, uh, in a role where he's going to get some power play time. And right now, you look at the, the top two power play units, and they're, they're pretty stacked. And the other thing is, he still can be sent down to the Marlies without having to need to clear waivers. So there's also some math, and that's what got him last year at camp. He actually was probably Toronto's MVP of, of training camp, for whatever that's worth. Um, just lit it up in the preseason, basically on merit, earned a spot on the team and still didn't make the team out of camp because he could go, he didn't need waivers to go down and start with the Marlies. And he was really disappointed in that, and rightly so, right? He just got caught up in the, in the business of the game. Um, but I mean, even if he, you know, has a couple good, a couple more solid preseason games, I think it could be the same story. This team is so tight to the cap that, you know, to have a guy you can start in the Marlies and you could justify it by saying, hey, you were injured last year, let's get you going, let's have you light it up in the AHL, build your confidence, that's an easier route. Um, you know, the spot that is to me is open is on the fourth line. And in my mind, Nick Robertson isn't a fourth liner. I'm circling Noah Gregor for that spot, even though he doesn't have a contract yet. He's the only guy here on a tryout. I thought he looked pretty solid last night. He's got some speed. And he's also willing to play the fourth-line role. He was killing penalties last night, um, you know, up and down the ice, just smart little plays, right? Not looking to, to light it up. If Nick Robertson's going to stick in the NHL, it's, be, it's because he's going to score goals. 
Yeah, the the one path I thought maybe was opened up for Robertson was with Nylander playing center, and then you were going to likely have three more offensively-minded centers in Matthews, Tavares, and, and Nylander, and then maybe that opened up a spot for, for Robertson. But I, I totally see the way you lay it out, and uh, I think we can all agree that uh, it means nothing to be MVP of Leafs camp if uh, Nick Robertson <laughs> was that and then got sent back to the Marlies. I feel awful for him. He feels like the oldest 22-year-old in the history yeah. of mankind. I feel like we've been talking about him for 10 years trying to make this team. We all know the injury luck. And yeah, I think it's a over-ripen in, with the Marlies. Hopefully, basically, basically go have Joe Wall season from last year is kind of what you want him to do. Uh, one guy I want to ask you about is Klingberg. I was pretty, uh, what's the opposite of bullish? Hated the move uh, when it when it first uh, happened. Bearish. It, bearish, okay. I was bearish on Klingberg. Not a fan, but uh, I see him throw a couple of just nasty little cross checks in the back on his first shift. He's looking tall. He's snapping it around. I got to be honest. I, uh, I kind of liked what I saw. And not that I thought he was diminutive, but I didn't quite realize he was that big. That's a, that's a big, big boy, Luke. Yeah, all the guys are talking about uh, his reach. Right. And how it may, he makes it difficult to get around just because he is so tall and, and lanky and he's got a big stick and can poke pucks away. And yeah, he's got, he's got a little bit of edge to his game. He admitted after that game though, that he felt a little scrambly, uh, I think was his word. He felt a little bit about of sorts. And there were a couple of times where you could tell he was like thinking a little too hard. And, and part of that's probably you're learning new, new, all entirely new teammates. You're learning a, a new system, new coach, you're getting thrown uh, in five-on-five five and power play, and he even played a little penalty kill. Like, he skated a lot last night, and, and I think that's, um, the, you know, the coaching staff trying to get him comfortable and, you know, trying to find out where he fits, get in a rhythm with these guys. Offensively, I agree. I think he made some, some great passes, uh, you know, got an assist on, on the tying goal by, by letting her rip from the point and creating chaos in front of the net, and that's what they want more of on the power play. Uh, you know, Morgan Riley was such a, a distributor up top, but he, you never felt like he was going to let one rip right at the net. Um, so uh, they want a different wrinkle or diff- different element to the top power play unit, and he's going to bring that. In his own zone, there were a couple moments where he made me a little nervous. And I, I think, you know, hopefully those go away with the more familiarity he gets with the guys. Um, but I think that's what you get in John Klingberg. I think you're going to have some games where you're, where he puts up three points and you're just like, wow, that, glad he's on our team. And there's going to be other nights where, you know, people are replaying the, the time he gave it away and it led to a goal. I think it's a little bit of live by the sword, die by the sword with this guy. Yeah, he led uh, all Toronto Maple Leafs players with eight shots on goal yesterday and uh, his shot on goal uh, eventually leading to the rebound goal tied the game at the end of regulation. So we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, Luke, about Sheldon Keefe and 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 not being uh, shackled to Kyle Dubas anymore and, and maybe a new lease on life and going back and reliving the, the post-game comments after the Arizona game at the beginning of last season and whether we would see a different result this time around given the same circumstances. Early on in your conversations with, with Sheldon Keefe during camp and after these preseason games, does he feel like a different guy or, or is that you know something that that, that is not going to come to pass? No, I, I sense a bit of a difference. Um, you know, we'll see when the games actually have stakes in them and, and they lose one of those or give a poor effort. We'll, we'll see if he's a different guy. But uh, so far that the tone around camp has changed a little bit. And I was talking to a couple of people about this last night, actually. And I think one of the reasons might be because they won around. So you don't have to answer 
the questions of, oh, getting over that first round hump, uh, you know, and, and it's a small thing. Yeah. That, you know, round two, they, uh, you know, I can't really defend them and in, in their performance against the Florida Panthers, but they did win. A they round, couldn't right? defend but, either Luke. <laughs> yeah. So, but they did win around. So I think there was like a little bit of mental relief from that. And the other thing is they arrived at camp what last fall and it was like, this is an all in, in year. Kyle doesn't have a contract. He's a lame duck GM. And if he's gone, Sheldon's probably gone because the two are tied at the hip. And there was so much tension around, we have to get this right. We have to get this right. Or maybe this whole thing's going to blow up. And who's good? Will the new GM trade the stars? I think Brad's free living. I think it's a, a bit of a top down thing where the new boss comes in. He's, you know, a little easygoing. He took had some patience, hears everyone out, communicates with everyone, says, okay, we're going to keep all, all the big guns. We're going to extend the coach. Everyone can breathe a little bit. Um, and we can debate whether that was the right choice. We're going to find out. But what it has done is it's created a bit of a, a, an easier culture, eased the tension a little bit. I, I think Kyle's tension going into last season trickled through uh, the coach, and it definitely trickled through the players too. And I think everyone's breathing a little easier this camp. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all all plays out. Uh, one thing we're also interested to see how it plays out, and we got our first look at it last night, is the Leafs' new top line. Now, it's been a conversation in the past, the idea of loading it up, going nuclear. We think back to that Columbus series. It seems like if they're going to go with three centers, they kind of only have a choice to have one true top line and then two that fall beneath it. What do you make of the Leafs potentially having a much clearer pecking order in terms of their lines? And I understand it's easy to say, look, whatever line Matthews is on has always been the top line, but there's been a little more room to quibble. Like if Marner was with Tavares or, or whatever, how do you how do you see it kind of playing out this year? Well, I, I think once they get their chemistry going, this, this line could be one of the, the best in the NHL. Um, you know, and that, it's on Bertuzzi to try and figure it out and the guys to, you know, maybe spend a little extra time working with them. So they, they know where he is. They, he knows where they are, but I, I think they looked on their game. Like Austin Matthews looks like a guy ready to go. He is even as just his back checking, he was stripping pucks like crazy. Marner was seeing the ice really well. I mean, it's just, again, it's preseason, but they look good. Um, so the challenge here, I guess will be for Bertuzzi to, to find his his niche here um you know it took michael bunting a while but i i think bertuzzi has the skills and he has the edge even even just getting into some some shoving matches driving the crease a little bit more uh i think he has the the right tool set to complement those guys and um i think they're a little bit off last night like they're they're not there yet as a trio but I think the potential is there for this line to do some serious damage. It'd be weird to see this Leafs team actually initiate some post-whistle scrums. That would yeah. be a different deal. Uh, Luke, uh, great stuff. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, you too. There's Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter. Leafs and Sabres on Wednesday in St. Thomas. That's uh, nice. Yeah, it's great. Um, before we do uh, Wake and Rake here, I, just, I would like to offer um, – my condolences to Mark Giordano, who may never recover after being the first, uh, potentially first 39-year-old, nearly 40-year-old to play three-on-three overtime last <laughs> night. Uh, I just, I hope, I hope I... he rises this morning. <laughs> that looked, that looked treacherous at best. And I love Gio, great soldier. Love when he came in, yada, yada, yada. There's a very thin, thin tread left on those tires. And 
you know, I don't, it's preseason. We don't need to make too much of it. But do we have to do that to him? It no. just seemed very mean. Yeah, it, it does kind of stand up when you, you don't have foot speed and there's that much ice. There's and... a lot of it out there. <laughs> it looks like he's playing on Olympic ice. In uh, <laughs> not, not <laughs> ideal. Um, we'll see how much of a contributor uh, Gio is uh, after a very lackluster postseason. And again, uh, 40 years old, uh, oldest skater in the National Hockey League. All right, time now for... The wake and rake, and I think, Brent, you and I are looking at the same thing oh, when we it are. comes to, to tonight uh, as the Blue Jays back in action against a Yankees team that is not packing it in, I suppose, but mathematically they have been eliminated from postseason cont- uh, contention. It was just a matter of time, but now it's it's officially officialized. Kevin Gossman against Michael King, who at last check was shutting the Blue Jays down to the tune of 13 strikeouts, giving up just one earned run over seven against Kevin Gossman, who at last check was also shutting down the New York Yankees to the tune of 10 strikeouts and no earned runs over six innings. A seven is a low total yes. f- for this baseball game. It, it's... I, I don't know how you go away from the under. I know. I I have I have probably bet or told people to bet Blue Jays under 60 days this summer. I think that's probably happened. And they're I, all millionaires. I feel like it's hit 50 of those times. <laughs> it is such, such, such a low number. I still think you got to do it. And it sucks because no one likes rooting for the under. Nobody mm. does. Nobody yeah. does. No, and it's true. And like I already told you that the humidor is still in place that's for, right. for, for this now. season. So that should so, lead into it as well. And also, I mean, to to add insult to injury here or to add a little more fuel to the fire when it comes to the under here. So I, I guess Aaron Judge is saying he's going to continue to play. I, I'm a little bit dubious of that, mm. um, especially after playing yesterday yep. outside against the Diamondbacks and especially considering these games are on turf. And mm. yeah, okay. I, I, I would be surprised if he played in all three games. But even if he does, it's just I think, one guy. Well, and it was Glaber Torres is also having a nice year for the Yankees. Kevin Gossman did the thing that he had to do in that last start against the Yankees, which was only care about those, those two guys. guys. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I don't care if I have to walk them three times in a game. And That's I, fine. I, I think Judge walked a couple of times and, and Torres may, may have walked as well. Yeah. Like, I just, everybody else. They they're not going to hurt me, and if they do, tip tip your cap. Tip your cap. Can't be losing baseball games. Can't be giving up runs to the guy that just hit sixty two, and the other guy who's having a, a a real good season. Those are the only two offensive factors for the Yankees this season. Ever you can pitch around those two, yeah, quite easily. And from the from the Jays' perspective, I'd maybe feel differently about that if King didn't go seven his last time out. You know, mm-hmm. this is a guy who's being stretched out, former reliever. You'd feel differently about it if it's okay. You're going to get five out of him, and then it's the crappy Yankees pen, and then you do think that the Jays can kind of kind of get to him a bit. Well, it, the the thing about that is, and and Michael King's been around the block, and he's been a mm-hmm. very effective reliever for the Yankees, so it's not uh, a total new thing to see him. What is new, though, is... The third time. Well, but also to see him in a starting role and the repertoire that he used. Mm, that's and, right. And, and that was the first sample the Blue Jays got of Michael King, the starter. And Different guy. Yeah, it was, like, really effective guy, no <laughs> doubt. But, like, if, you, if you're the Blue Jays, like, I, you don't have a ton of tape on, on what he provides as a starter. And now at least you have one sample under your belt. Uh, again, it, it, it didn't go so well if you're a Blue Jays fan in 13 strikeouts over seven innings, but at least you have some institutional memory of the way he approached you 
I mean, same can be said, I guess, of Kevin Gosman. The only difference yeah, is the Blue Jays what? are more competent. Everybody, everybody knows what's coming with Gosman. Right. And for some reason, I think, who is it? It's the Twins that are the only team that they just, they yes. somehow never, ever swing at it. And every yeah. other team in baseball just gets completely victimized. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's like they could have all the tape on Gosman they want. He's going right. to get ahead in the count. I think he's he gonna might throw, throw a, splitter. a splitter. I think it's probably going to happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, under seven runs. Uh, for the Blue Jays and Yankees tonight at Rogers Center is what we like. I mean, if you, if you like the the money line, yeah, it's uh, quite a bit of juice. Minus 163 for the Blue Jays, plus 134 for the visiting New York Yankees. What was com- but if you parlay them, plus 209. Oh, okay. Same parlay. I like that. All right. Uh, when we come back, the Toronto Raptors for the second consecutive preseason, because remember, last year there was a lot of Kevin Durant oh, yeah. smoke around this about team. that. And... Everything he he made nice with the Nets briefly before uh, eventually forcing his way to the Phoenix Suns, but I think their interest was obviously legitimate there. Every bit of reporting suggests that the Toronto Raptors' interest in Dane Lillard is very legitimate, including the report from our next guest, Michael Grange, joins us next uh, as the Raptors get set for media day on Monday, maybe with Dame Lillard. Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.